Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Good morning, everyone here and everyone at home. Over the past couple weeks, we've been reading as Jesus has sent out the 70 or 72 disciples, and they have returned, and Jesus is encouraged by the work that they did. Luke 10, 21 says, this is Jesus speaking, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. In today's passage, we're going to dig into that. We're going to see a learned person who misses some of the most basic things that are being shared across the area at this time. So we're going to jump into our passage today from Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. Luke 10, 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place where he saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took two denarii out and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. All right, so let's dig in. So this expert in the law, this is the Jewish law. This is the Torah. Genesis through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So those five books are the law. This is what he would have known well. He may have uh, written a lot of these passages by hand, uh, making copies of them probably memorized a lot of these, probably called on a number of times to speak to what the law was, how to be implemented uh, in daily life. 
And so when he's asking this question, he's asking from a, a mindset that he understands what's going on. He asked the question, and Jesus said, okay, we can have that conversation, and we'll even stick to the law. We'll stick to the scripture that you know. So why don't you tell me what you say the law means whenever we're looking at eternal life? And this lawyer, the neighbor, right? We read the passage this morning um, from Deuteronomy that touched on that, and that's something that this man would have known well, just as the passage this morning said, have it written out, have it on your arm, have it between your eyes. They would have had these phylacteries, they would have had rolled up scripture written out on them, so it was ever present. You couldn't walk around, turn your head without having these verses remind you of what you should be doing, how you should be living your life. Jesus in Matthew twenty-two forty said that on these two uh, commandments rests all the law and the prophets. So we know that this is a good response. Jesus told him as much. But if this law expert was able to keep that, spent his entire life, his livelihood depended on him knowing the law and living it and helping others know how to apply it to their own lives, if even he couldn't live by the law, then what hope is there for anyone? We'll get into that hope later. But it, whenever Jesus stepped out of the Socratic method of leading questions, he stepped into another common uh, methodology that he used to teach. He used a parable. He used a story to convey truth. And this allows the listener to chew on it, to try to understand the meaning coming from it. Puts that the listener, the lawyer, the law expert in this case, uh, into a, a more receiving mode. So the parable is has a number of, of elements that we want to step into, um, and we'll, we'll dissect these a little bit. So let's look at the road first. So this road between Jerusalem and Jericho went through, at that time, a split kingdom from the southern kingdom where Jerusalem was and the northern kingdom where Jericho was, and the, the land of Samaria would have even been referred to as the Samarian kingdom at times. So to travel this road, this was a long road. David walked on this road. This road was used after this time. This was a well-traveled path. Not only were many travelers along this path, but if you were going alone, there was a fair chance that among those hills, you would be beset by robbers. And that's what happened in this case. This road, uh, when it led out of Jerusalem, went right by the Mount of Olives. And that's where Bethany was, the, the town of Bethany, Mary and Martha are there, and we'll, we'll get into that story later. So perhaps that's why Jesus had this in this scenario. So let's look at the people that we see in this, in this story. We see a man who is robbed and beaten and left for dead. And then we see a couple of people that the lawyer would have thought would have been the good guys, right? We get to see a priest worked and served in the church. So these are people that would have known the law well, Right? As we read this morning, Deuteronomy 6.5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And from Leviticus 19.34, you shall treat the sojourner, or the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. 
And these concepts were repeated of the the Jewish people. Certainly, it also would have been known by the Samaritans. Uh, They shared some of the same scriptures. They had portions of the law and things like that. Um, We know that these experts, these professionals in in the temple would have known this well, right? So then, these are the good guys. These are the people that should have supported this, this robbed individual, this beaten and, and uh, bloodied individual. We know that they should put into action the law that they have memorized, the law that they may have had on their forehead, on their arm, the law that they lived by their, their entire life shaped this or should have shaped their, uh, been shaped by the law. But why didn't they? It's easy enough to do. He's literally lying right there. They're passing by him. And instead of going to him, they go out of their way to step around him. They go out of their way to ignore him, to turn a blind eye. Maybe they felt that it was beneath them. Maybe they felt that they were important enough that they didn't have to do such menial things. Maybe they had some important religious work to do. Oh, there's a good reason, right? We have good religious reasons. We have good to do somewhere else, and I, it's too busy. Sorry, I have to go do my good religious work somewhere else. By Jewish law, if the man was dead, and we don't know how dead he looked, um, but might have looked pretty dead, and he might have died. And by Jewish law, then they would have been touching someone that was dead and would have been unclean. And then they would have had to go wash ceremony and been unclean until sunset. And maybe that wasn't in their schedule. They had things they needed to do, right? There could have been any number of reasons why these two individuals walked by. It must have seemed like the obvious choice for them to be the ones to be the neighbor in this story. And yet it was also... The lawyer didn't say, wait, Jesus, that's not how they act. You and I both know they would have gone to him. No, this was a common enough thing that in the listener's mind, he understood, yeah, that's probably about right. But then we get the Samaritan. So by default, the Samaritans hated the Jews and vice versa. So think of the Cold War era, 70s and 80s. Anytime a Hollywood movie would come out and there was someone with a Russian accent, you knew that was the bad guy. Right? This was the person that was going to be shooting someone or punching them or doing whatever bad thing that was going to happen. So for this guy to be on the side of the road, if he was conscious at all still, and he saw this Samaritan coming towards him, he probably knew, oh, this guy's going to finish off the job. Right? Well, at least there's that. But the Samaritan did respond differently than the, the two religious leaders. Right? If a guy saw them pass by, he was probably hoping, hey, these guys should know the law. They should come and help me but certainly not the Samaritan, right? What did the Samaritan do? He responded differently, but how? So he was a neighbor to this man. He went to him. It's the first significant step, right? Instead of walking away, instead of stepping around him, finding a way around, he went to the man. He used his own supplies to provide that first aid. He use the the first aid of the time uh, with all that he had, probably not able to double up on that, so he probably walked with the man on his donkey and made his way to an inn. And there he took care of the man through that night. 
he kept them alive. A couple of denarii, a couple of days' wages to say, here, I'll pay you this much now, and I'm not going to just walk away. I'm going to come back. I have to go do something. I have to be about what I set out to travel for, uh, but I'm going to come back, and if there's any other bills, I'll take care of that expense. Now, certainly, if you're supposed to be treating the sojourner as one of your own, this is what it looks like to treat a stranger as one of your own. You're going to take care of them. You're going to look back in on them. Whenever you don't have the means to take care of them, you have to be about something else, you find help for them. It's completely obvious, right? It's completely obvious to have to put this into action. This is his own life. So whenever the, the lawyer was asking, who is my neighbor, um, it's really not a, a good question, who is my neighbor? It's more, who should I be a neighbor to, right? You can be a neighbor to anyone that you pass by. And whenever the, the lawyer responded as to, to just said, you know, wanting to admit that the good guy in this story happened to be a Samaritan. It's not because he was born that way. It's not because they're blood relatives. This is the person who showed that neighborly love to the person he was passing by. So we too have that call to, to action. We could be like the priest and the Levite and easily justify in our own minds why we can step around those in need, why we can look away. We may think that we are too busy. We have too much work to do. We might focus on doing good acts. We think that if I'm going to be a good Christian, I'll wear the right clothes. I'll put on the right bumper stickers. I'll listen to the right radio station, right? That's going to make me a good Christian. And once I've done that, then I've done my part. That's not the case. We could also see ourselves as the Samaritan. The Samaritan was the wrong person, right? In this story, the good guy should have been the priest or the Levite, but it was the Samaritan. So the Bible is chock full of God picking the wrong person to do his will. David was the, the younger shepherd brother. His older brothers were the warriors, yet God used David to take down Goliath. Rahab was a prostitute serving uh, in Jericho, and God used her to save his spies. In the New Testament, we see Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, just as bad as prostitution to the Jewish mind, and Zacchaeus was one who was changed by God, and we got to see that change in action. Jesus hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with the woman at the well, right? Saul was a persecutor of Christians. All of these people are the wrong people. The rightness doesn't exist within us ourselves. The rightness happens because Christ is that righteousness, and we get his righteousness. Every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us in ourselves are not able to hold up those two commandments. None of us have loved God completely. Relying on ourselves wants to what God has done for us. 
gives the command to honor the Father through the actions that we take, he gives that command to us as well. This is not what earns us salvation. These good works that we do are not salvific. They don't save us. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. The Holy Spirit indwells us and empowers us to do good works because of who God is, not because of who we have an incomplete knowledge of the scripture, I guarantee you. Some of us do. Not everyone, right? Whatever we know, we need to be able to run down on the side of the road. That's all right. Go with them to help them find additional support. Gather on this mission, God's mission. We are serving him together. Find a brother or sister to partner up with. Last week's sermon, Jesus' message and ministry includes us. We have the opportunity to partake in that with him. Just as the disciples that Jesus sent went out with intentionality about who they would go to, who they would speak with, Jesus says, as you're going, keep your eyes open. There are going to be opportunities for you to be a neighbor to those around you. And this is why Downtown Hope exists. God has a mission of redemption, of restoration of shalom, that peace and right standing with God. We need to have a response to God's salvation. His Holy Spirit empowers us to do as the Samaritan does. Each one of us should find opportunities that we see to go out of our way to meet the needs of those that we pass by. Do what you can now. Get them to additional support. Check back in on them. Don't feel that it all relies on you to be everything, but you do need to be ready to do your part. So for this week, I want you to think about two questions and encourage you to put into practice Jesus' teaching. So what are the needs of those you pass by? And who can you partner with to meet those needs? As you go about the work that God has placed before you at home, at work, as you're traveling, be about God's mission. As we cover the last two weeks, go with intentionality. Tell others the good news, the kingdom of heaven that is pure and undefiled before God, before God the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep one's self unstained fame to me. These are very practical needs that we as a church should be about. It's not just about the next Bible study, the next church service, the next time we can strum a guitar into some chords that we have the CCLI license for, right? How can you meet the person's needs where they are? How can you bend over, pick them up, shoulder their load? How can you walk with them? Go out of your way. Stop what you're doing. Go out of your way. If you need help thinking through ways to apply this to your own life, we have a lot of opportunities here at Downtown Hope, right? Like I said, that's what we're about. You can reach out to info at downtownhope.org and they can help get you connected to Love Annapolis and Robinwood and, and all these great service opportunities. A lot of brothers and sisters are active there. Um, it's also 
by its very nature, something that you aren't doing alone, you're doing with fellow brothers and sisters, so you don't have that to feel like you have to do it all alone. But as you are uh, stepping out, it doesn't just have to be an established ministry. There might be other ways that you see needs come up. By all means, meet those needs there and talk with us about that. I can guarantee you the elder team wants to know, hey, is, is there an additional need? Do we need a new ministry? Do we need to step into a new area? Excellent. God is going to move in your... We need to see those that are hurting. We need to see the people in need. And remember that each time we see them, that's an opportunity to obey Jesus' command and go and do like the Good Samaritan did. Mm-hmm.